Hey, I'm Peter Mudlin, and you are listening to Teacher's Lounge. I am really excited to bring you guys a special episode that we had last night. That's right, we had a Teacher's Lounge live episode that you might have already heard over on our Facebook page or on WNIJ.org. It was Teacher's Lounge live reflecting on the pandemic school year now that the school year is over and we brought in a range of different guests and perspectives to chat about that we had on a high school student that just graduated from DeKalb his name is Brayton Wilkerson we had on Steve Wilder who is the superintendent of the Sycamore School District and we had Mike McHale on who is a teacher at Byron who you might remember listening to our conversation on this program not too long ago. So again, a range of perspectives from student all the way up through the administration and and the teacher in between that. It was really great. And we had a lot of listeners that came by, watched the show and submitted questions. So thanks to everyone that showed up, sent in their questions. It was great to engage you and let you be a part of the conversation like that. We definitely want to do more similar live episodes in the future. And I will make sure to alert you when we have those planned. So again, thank you to everyone that showed up and watched that. And again, just a reminder that per usual, if you have any teachers in your life, a teacher, a coach, a professor, a counselor, anyone that inspired you and made a big impact on your life, we want to hear about them. So go ahead and email us, nominate them for the show at teacherslounge at niu.edu. And without any further ado, let's get into last night's Teachers Lounge Live, reflecting on the pandemic school year. Thanks. And I believe that we should be live. And yes, it is happening right now. I I went into a browser and I saw myself checking the stream. It's a real inception moment that's kind of freaky, but we are good to go. (laughs) I believe we are completely live. So everyone that is in the comments, scrolling through your Facebook feed that sees a video, Right now, this is Teacher's Lounge Live. This is uh, very different than what the show typically is, which is normally just an education interview show where we talk to local educators. Mike, you are an alum of the podcast, so welcome back to you. And today we are having just a conversation reflecting back on the pandemic school year. We've got people from all across education, from every level, from Brayton Wilkerson, who is uh, just graduated. He was a senior at DeKalb High School this year. So again, everyone, let's just give a real quick round of applause to, to Brayton there. Happy, happy graduation. We have a teacher at Byron High School, Mike McHale. Mike, thank you for joining us as well. And Thanks. Steve Wilder, who is the superintendent at Sycamore. So we've got every single level of education represented, and we're just going to have a conversation about what it looks like for us and We want to hear from you guys since this is live on Facebook. If you are scrolling through and seeing the video, please join the conversation. Leave us a comment for any of the panelists and we should be able to get to it. We're only going to be here for about 45 minutes or so, so it shouldn't take too, too long. Again, claps for Brayton. I'm curious, was graduation like the ceremony? Like, was it normal? Did it feel like a normal graduation? I'll say they actually did a really uh, good job at it because, I mean, besides wearing masks, that, um, just going through the tunnels and still like being able to go to NIU, you know, I know some people, they have to do theirs outside, but it was truly like, it was a blessing to be able to still, you know, cause like when I see my sister graduated from NIU, I just always wanted to do it. And it was just like a dream come true actually. And it was just, I don't know, it was just a great experience. 
That's awesome. Congratulations, man. I remember a couple months ago, I was talking to you and we were talking about like the end of the year celebrations. Were they going to be normal? And we talked about prom. Did you go to prom? And was it one of those weird, like dystopian dance circles where everyone had to stay in like their like socially distant bubble? Like, what, did you go to that? What was that oh, like? No, I, I didn't uh, attend that prom. <laughs> uh, I actually, um, that, some of the moms uh, in our community, they, they formed our, like our, our own prom at Fatty's and we just had our traditional pictures at the Elwood house and like they actually they did they went all out for it and it was like really amazing and just we we got our our, our last year experience and I was happy they was able to pull that together um that's awesome that was, that was I, really nice. well like as we kind of reflect back on this whole COVID school year I feel like the first things first is that we should kind of go back to what it was like at the beginning so like last spring as things were getting shut down how you were feeling Steve I know you have kind of a unique perspective on this since this is your first year in Sycamore so you were kind of in Sycamore but still a part of your prior school district while things were getting shut down do you remember the specific moment where you were like oh this is going to be a really big deal uh, actually I do uh, remember that moment um you know, early in March, you know, through through February, you, everybody talked about the coronavirus spreading and it was, it was getting worse, but people were just kind of unsure about what it was. Then we got into early March and I remember attending a, a meeting with other superintendents and, and you could see kind of the look on everybody's face. Oh, this, this, this could be big, you know? And uh, when Governor Pritzker made his initial announcement and closed school for that, the, that first couple of weeks at the end of March, that's when it really hit home like, uh-oh, how long is this going to last? How can we support students? How can we get students and their families what they need? How are teachers going to teach? Uh, it uh, it hit us fast. And then the next question was, how long is it going to last? And I remember those those first couple of weeks, it was touch and go, right? You know, we were closed for a couple of weeks. Then the next announcement came out. Then the next announcement. So uh, it was it was pretty crazy um, last March, you know, a year ago, March, when everything really started to happen. You mentioned that first school shutdown when the governor announced that the school administrators like you had a bit of a heads up that that was going to happen right we had uh, very uh, we did have a heads up but it was very very short time period uh, governor pritzker made the announcement on march 13th if i remember correctly uh, a friday and it came out kind of late in the day and uh you know one of the things i do remember is that it was such an unknown and an uncertain time that as as decisions were made, we nobody had ever been through this before. So we, we would get a little bit of an advance notice, but it, it wasn't a whole lot, not, not a whole lot more than anybody else. Outside of that, it was kind of just everyone else just like hearing about it from the news or other people probably coming to, you know, texting you and being like, hey, did you hear about this? That's, uh, that's exactly how it happened, actually. <laughs> okay, so Brayton, do you want to talk about like, how was it for you? You were in your junior year, it was kind of winding down. Do you remember when you realized, oh my gosh, we're actually going to miss school because of this? I mean, it didn't really hit home until they said, like, clear out your lockers because, well, they had said, like, at first, we're just going to be gone for a week. And then, but then after they, like, extended that week to the next week, and then then they said, okay, yeah, we're just going to do e-learning. And we was like, what is e-learning? And just going from, like, we just had to, like, just live day by day. There was, like, there was no telling what the future like, you know, would say or what, what was going to happen. And I mean, 
it was just it was like exciting but also like scary like you didn't know like what was going on mike how about you yeah um kind of downplayed it all spring long or at least leading up to that march 13th announcement and then kind of got caught wind like we're probably not going to be in school on monday and uh, all of a sudden you start telling telling kids hey you might want to bring do these two things to to be prepared just in case we're not here and and uh it was it was surreal at the time uh looking back on it of course now you know a year and a half later but uh it was it was a bizarre thing for sure for the sure well yeah and like no matter who you are the information and the guidance was changing so rapidly it felt like nothing like no one knew what was going on and i used to joke with people that i was interviewing that every question I had to ask was like a crystal ball question because nobody knew what it was going to look like in a week from now, but I was like, I have to ask, but I know probably for you, Steve, you know, as an administrator, you have so many people, whether they be, you know, teachers or students or parents coming to you asking, you know, what's this going to look like? What are we going to do? It had to be tough to be like, I have no idea. You hit the nail on the head. You know, that's, that's one of the parts of our job is to be able to make decisions, to have information and, and to share that information. And we just weren't able to do that. That, you know, looking back, that was um, just such a frustrating part of the entire experience, especially at the beginning, all the uncertainty and, and just telling people, I don't know. I don't know when we're coming back. I don't know if we're going to come back this year. I don't know what next, next fall is going to look like. Um, you know, we pride ourselves in trying to gather that information and, and help make decisions. And we just weren't able to do that. And, you, you know, you feel helpless. And then you put yourselves in the shoes of, you know, students and really, you know, uh, teachers. So, Mike, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. You know, students didn't know what was going to happen. They were kind of along for the ride. We didn't know at the administrative level what was going on. But the teachers were really kind of caught in the middle, not knowing what was going to have to happen or not, not, not knowing what was going to happen, but still having to make something happen so that students could continue learning. And that teachers were the group I, I felt the worst about because they had to find a way to get going when there, there really was no guidance. So I'd be interested to, to hear, you know, your perspective on that, Mike. Yeah, Mike, what was that like? Well, I guess I always think about like my window of like what I'm prepared for. And usually that's a fairly large window. Like I know what I'm going to be doing next month. Uh, and all of a sudden my window became like <laughs> next two hours. Like how, what am I going to do with this? I don't even, and, and it was, um, it was short-term problem solving uh, even into the beginning of this year. Like when we came back to school in August, uh, I had no idea what the week was going to look like much less the month. Um, so it was a very, uh, for and teachers tend to be planners and very organized. Uh, that was the hard, one of the hardest things for me is is taking that window of of my certainty and, and scrunching it down to a very small uh, amount of time. Like, hey, I can get through today, I think. <laughs> yeah, Brayton. Like, how was it for you? Did you feel like your teachers and the school at large like was doing a good job of? passing along information or did you feel like you were in the dark a lot I mean I'll say they're good at like giving us like ideas of what what like what we're expecting to happen but everything just kept on changing like as far as they'll give us a window saying that you know be prepared because we might return to school on this day 
And then that date got changed six times. And we were just like, for me, like for my second semester classes, I ended up like choosing just like a study hall instead of another class. And I'm, I'm just thinking I'm just going to be doing this online and not going to be actually be in person. So it, it kind of like, but I say like the, the school board was really good at like trying to give it like as much as they can and the best they can. It was, it was, it was not a lot that we could do with the surgery. So did you take an online study hall? Yeah. What is, what is that? Is that, just, is that just a Zoom call like this where you just don't talk to each other and look down? What does that even mean? No, we just like when we got to in person, like you go to a classroom, but like on like online, you just you just yeah, sleep like there's nothing. <laughs> you know, we, we've gotten some questions already coming in. And, and one of them was just talking about like, you know, what's the best thing that you can take away from this experience? And oh. I do want to ask a couple of big, pic- big picture questions for you guys. And we'll kind of attack it from both sides, right? Like, we'll talk about what are some of the biggest challenges? And then what are our silver linings? Like, what are the things that we can take away from this? So first off, if, if we want to go back to you, Mike, I'm curious, just overall writ large, when we're talking about whether communication, e-learning schedules, for you personally, what was the biggest challenge of pandemic education? Um, the easy answer, I guess, would be just engaging students, like the remote learners, especially. Uh, it was tough. It was tough to make them feel part of what we were trying to do. Um, and a lot of times, because we were most, I mean, we had, we were in person, uh, but we did have, you know, a handful of remote learners in each class. And getting them to feel that sense of classroom community was almost impossible. They would interact with the teacher, but you, you lose that sense of I'm part of this class. Uh, and that was frustrating from a teacher's perspective. I'm sure it's frustrating for a student perspective. That was probably the toughest, toughest thing. Um, kind of a messier answer is uh, as a teacher, I mean, we were literally watching kids burnout in real time in a lot of ways. And that was really tough. And as much as we wanted to say we knew what to do, we didn't know what to do uh, in these situations because um, we'd never done it before. Uh, that, was, that was probably the toughest thing from um, a personal standpoint, just watching uh, some of these kids, um, students trying to figure things out and just not having good solutions for them uh, to make things work. Yeah. When we spoke on the last time that you were on Teacher's Lounge, I remember this was probably in late November, early December, you were talking about how you still felt kind of just overwhelmed and maybe not as you know creative as you could have been as a teacher. Is that something that got easier as we moved through the spring or did you ever, was it ever like a hundred percent, I feel comfortable in this setting with most people in person, but a few people online at the same time? I never felt um, good about it. I felt like we did, I felt like you had to work t- twice as hard at everything and you got half as good of results almost. Um, I never, and I, I guess I'm always comparing it to what you know my first 21 years were like. Um, so I felt like I always did a, a poor job with that, but I think it was just a poor situation. Um, so um, I never felt completely comfortable. I will say by the time we got to spring semester, um, started getting a little groove and um, um, feeling a little bit better about what was happening in the classroom. But the remote 
remote the 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 kids that were remote it was it was just tough for them yeah Brayton were you ever in a class I mean were your classes a lot where you had some of the kids in person and some of them remote oh yeah oh yeah like most of my classes like towards I guess you know like the end of when like we went to in person like more people started to come in but there's still a lot of just blank you know spaces on the camera I was going to say, was it strange when you were, you know, in person and you had people remote? Did it feel like they were a part of the classroom? Did it feel like they got attention or like it was possible to even like engage with them? I mean, it was kind of weird because like you would just see on a smart board, like just just like it would just be like it was half like half and half. Like you, you see like three or four people in the classroom. And then you just see a whole bunch of just like squares on the like the smart board. So it just felt like you were in a different time zone, I guess you could say. Like it just it didn't feel normal at all. I don't know how to like really say it. like Yeah. And then for you, same question I just asked Mike, which is like overall throughout the whole process, what was the biggest challenge for you personally? Well, like how Mike has said, like an easy answer from a student's perspective, I would say just staying focused is right. like was the main main challenge because it was more like like it was like every day it was just what assignments do we have okay let me just finish that and then because like every day was like a half day too so it was just like it was it was not really like a more as like I didn't get a lot from like academics I'd say for this year I'd say like I guess a pro that I got this year was like like the human connection, like when we first, like first got back together, even people who so-called like hated each other, like we just all came together and like, like we just like we just missed that like that human touch, I guess, and that's what that's what I mostly gained this year is just like getting really in tune with all my peers and my classmates. That's a pretty good segue to actually one of the questions we just got in the comments for you, Brayton, which is, did you feel like your grades suffered during the pandemic? <laughs> Uh, I mean, our school was pretty cool with like, you know, lowering the grades scale too. So it, it would even, it went more like up, but still I say as far as like learning, nah, I didn't get too much out of it. I learned how to like get stuff done in a time early fashion, but like it was, it was not too much of what I could like take away into like next year. With the people that you knew and like your peers and people in your classes, did it feel like a lot of them were like overwhelmed and just like, I don't care about this anymore? Uh, uh yeah right before my eyes I've seen a lot of people just want to like just give up like or they did give up and that was kind of sad to see but it was I also saw that there was like a lot of people that would just like form groups and like just help each other get the stuff done and and that was like I guess the good thing I saw what about you Steve when we're talking about just like big picture challenges and then you can lead us off with silver linings and, and things that we can take away from it too so, you know, from the administrator perspective, kind of the broader perspective, you know, again, going back earlier to always kind of wanting to have the answers and give guidance. You know, the analogy we used all the time was trying to build an airplane while it was in the air, right? You know, and you're, and you're just trying to hold things together until the next guidance came out and, and work through the uncertainty. Um, all the while knowing that, you know, teachers were caught in the middle and that students, you know, who, who we all got into education to help, um, we're in a really tough spot. You know, they weren't getting what we, what we wanted to be able to give them. So, 
no, it was the biggest challenge is just trying to, to manage all of that and, and work with students and families and staff and communicate that, which is, which is super hard. Um, but I would, to, to go to the, you know, the silver linings, the, the positives, you know, we learned a lot about the educational process that we can do differently and still be effective. You know, the, the implementation of technology, the, how we use technology, I think is, a, is an easy, easy answer. But I think, again, broader perspective, one of the silver linings is, is uh, just our ability to face adversity and, and kind of work through it. You know, that, that's a tough thing. You know, that, that's a life lesson that we're all continuing to learn as adults. And one of the things that we try to, to help students understand is we're always going to face challenges, right? Um, and you can either give up or you can kind of hunker down and, and figure out how to get through it one step at a time. And, um, you know, I think in the long run, facing adversity and learning how to, to, to deal with that and live through it is a good is a good thing because we will face that for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And did you I, I'm really curious because I know that we kind of as of now feel like we have a pretty good idea of what next year is going to look like. I know that we love the phrase return to normalcy. I feel like I've heard that a million times. But when it comes to technology, you talked about like implementing that as a silver lining. Do you think that there is a hunger for some kind of e-learning to continue in some format down the road? Are there a lot of families in your district that would like to have that kind of option? Yeah, so uh, hunger is probably a strong word. I think everybody's really just at this point hoping to get back to some sort of new, new equilibrium or, or, or new normal. Um, but again, I, I do think that we learned a lot about how we can teach differently and still be effective. Um, maybe not as effective as we wanted to be last year, just kind of muddling through the pandemic. But, um, you know, you have to you have to start somewhere. You have to wade into the water. So I think that we came out of this with a lot of lessons. And, you know, Mike kind of referenced this earlier, you know, really kind of day to day, hour to hour at first. And then you kind of finally get into to a groove. Um, I would hope that as we get to under more normal normal circumstances next year, we can take some of those lessons, implement them, but under under circumstances where we're not, um, you don't feel that weight, that burden to just try to make it work. You you've got time to to try to to work through it a little bit better. Mike, I want to ask you about the silver linings. So we actually just got another question in the comments that's directed towards you. That's kind of along similar lines here, which is interesting the way it's phrased. I'm curious how you're going to approach this one, which is what have you gained as a teacher this year and what are you maybe afraid that you've lost? Um, all right. So I can kind of answer both of those. I think, I think one of the biggest things, and this probably even goes back to some of the things Brayton mentioned um, is um, that sense of community um, amongst in the school was so important this year. Uh, it, I mean, academics of course is, is always our priority, well, I shouldn't say priority, but it's what we're doing. Uh, the day-to-day -day things is, is about academics, um, but we needed everybody uh, to get everybody through it this year. That means the teachers needed everybody, our, our students needed the students, like Brayton said, the, the human element of just getting together and, and being there. Um, you know, technology was great and it served, um, it did a great a service for us, but it can only do so much. Uh, we learned that teachers, students, administrators can adapt to these situations. Um, 
you know, the old saying, heat and pressure make things stronger. And I would say for sure, we're all stronger because of the last year and however year and a couple months that we've all just kind of got together, uh, got through together, I guess is what I meant to say. And, you know, we've touched a little bit now on like what e-learning has looked like and, and what that was like for everyone. I know Brayton, you kind of wanted to be back in the classroom like last summer. You were hoping that that was going to happen. Did you feel like that was the most prevalent opinion? Do you think most people kind of felt that way, at least the people that you knew? Oh, yeah. Like, especially, well, most of them was like they wanted to do it because a lot of my friends are athletes, like because they said if we don't go to like back to in person, we couldn't do sports. So that was the main reason. But also, I know a lot of my friends have like, and like me sometimes of just being at home, it wasn't the best, like, I guess, learning environment as well. Like that was, we, we really wanted to be in school to get help, like with the subject, the subjects that we wanted, that needed the most help. And we just, you know, just being able to walk those halls as a senior and like, you know, this is your last ride. Like it was, it felt like it was being stripped away from us for a while. But then when we finally got it, it, uh, it felt really good. You know, was you were, I think, what was it? You didn't go back in person really completely until this spring, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, by that point, I know you just mentioned that, like, everyone was super excited. Everyone was ready to be back. Yeah. Did it feel safe? Because, you know, I, big, I feel like the uh, big conversation Gosh. was like, do we need plexiglass dividers? Do we need to be wiping down every table? Do we need a mask and then another mask on top of that? was everyone kind of comfortable or was were people kind of uneasy about it i'll say like back in february that's when like i was thinking too i was like do i uh, i thought the same thing would i need to wear like two masks or what are the precautions would we need to be because they was talking about they only let this amount of students come in and then they'll go up by grade levels but i think like honestly a lot of people just forgot about that type of rule, like, as far as, like, like uh, just wearing a mask in general. They just wanted to be back, and they just – a lot of people weren't too concerned about what, what health precautions we needed. But, like, they did – I'll say it was, it was a good job of, like, you know what I'm saying, just keep it on, like, you know, during the day, and, like, that was fine. But as everything else, like, we just wanted to be back. Like, it didn't matter what we had to do. And like by the end, like by the time you graduated, did it feel like on a scale of one to 10, when we're talking about a return to normalcy, like <laughs> scale of one to 10, how normal did it actually feel by the end? Uh, I'll say about, mm, well, I try to make the most of my experience. So I'll, I'll say about like an eight because like- Eight, that's a great, that's yeah. higher than I expected. That's, that's cause I was gonna say like a lower number, but as far as when it gets like, like the last, I guess, I'll say about the last month, they started like easing up and I started going in and I started like I got to be able to like walk the halls again between you know, even in class, you know, just because you got pretty much all the credits. You can just, you know, do pretty much whatever. And mm -hmm. so I like I'll go around, talk to staff members and stuff. And they were pretty cool. And, you know, just learning more about their backgrounds, too, because you will only see some people for like two seconds of the day now, as if since like they have more time, they'll reach out and help you out with other stuff, you know, preparing for the, the next chapter in your life or whatever it is. Yeah. So like, I guess I'll say like, like that experience, 
that 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 that's what like elevated everything. And Brayton, like throughout the whole process, especially like during e-learning and and when you got back, were there any sort of extra helps or support that you would have been nice to have that you wish you had that just weren't there? Uh, you're saying like it's back as far as when uh, when we was like in like no, basically but normal school that we yeah. have now. I'd say I didn't use it that much, but office hours that they had was uh was really was really good as well. Um, they had the one thing that they did have in normal school was flex, and that's what I used a lot was like when we had flex to go see teachers. But like I say, yeah, just the online thing did play a big part in that as well. If you needed more help or since like everything was like, you know, already online, like just using your computer, everything was right there in front of you. So that's what made it easier. Yeah. Mike, for you, was there ever a point when, cause you said that you guys were mostly at some point, you know, in person through most of the year, was there ever a point where it didn't feel safe to be there or where you felt a little bit uneasy about it? Um, no, not really. I give a lot of credit to our the entire district as far as um, never really wavered. And, you know, we were all kind of together. Hey, we're going to we're going to be here uh, unless unless we can't. Um, and we, we did get shut down uh, the week right before Christmas break. We just it was really an issue of we couldn't get enough people to cover the subs. Um, we didn't have enough subs for the teachers that were out for various quarantines. Um, and when we, we were kind of peaking, um, late, late winter, um, but never felt like it wasn't safe right? Uh, or at least any worse than any other place we'd been, you know, people were going. Yeah. Steve, I know that you're, you guys had some quarantines like, like most districts. And I'm curious, like, what is it like for you when you're, you know, starting to see those come in and there's maybe a couple dozen people quarantining and you're, you're, you're having some trouble staffing. I know that there's been so many districts that have had issues with trying to get uh, substitute teachers during the pandemic. What's it like for you when you're seeing those start to rack up and you're like, okay, now we need to start interfacing with our local health department and try to figure out how to make these decisions of like, are we going to have to shut down or not? There was a point, you know, we started remote at the beginning of the school year and then started to bring students back in, in October. Um, and during that time, almost on a day-to-day basis, the, the question was, are we going to have enough staff members to, to open up? Teachers, paraprofessionals, uh, health aides and nurses, um, bus drivers to get kids to school. You know, there, there was a period of time where on a daily basis, you know, I was working with the administrative staff, texting you know, late at night, early in the morning, do we, do we have enough? You know, principals were teaching in the classroom every single day for several weeks at a, at a, at a time um, just to make sure that we could keep the doors open and, and uh, provide that support for students. So it was really difficult in, in the fall. We went through that adaptive pause pretty much all of December and into January. Um, but really, one of the, the godsends was the, the vaccinations becoming available in January and, and getting staff vaccinated and as soon as they started to get vaccinated it seemed like the staff quarantine started to tail off so from a staffing perspective we felt a lot better about being able to open schools you know uh, with, with staff 
Um, and then, you know, once we opened up completely, quarantine started to spread through, through students and whether it was activities or classrooms or whatever. So that was a challenge for a while. I got better at the end of the school year, though. Right. Then maybe you can start thinking, I can project forward more than 24 hours or 48 hours or something. Exactly. I've got one more question coming in from the audience. This is for you, Steve, which is talking about e-learning again. And they're asking, do you think that remote learning or this type of remote learning was beneficial for at-risk, truants, and uh, marginalized students? And could this type of learning be a way to close the gaps for students that may otherwise fall through the cracks? Yeah, so I think there's a really good point there. There's every year there's a, a group of students that we just have trouble engaging with, um, you know, staying in touch with them, um, truancy especially. And then we had a lot of students that have just kind of struggled with some of the social emotional issues, you know, mental health issues. And um, in a normal year, we're, we're really struggling to get them into the school, into an environment where they're not always comfortable. And I think the e-learning was a great benefit for them because they were able to, to kind of stay home and in a place where they felt comfortable, they were able to engage more. Um, students who couldn't get to school for whatever reason, and this is the truancy issues, if we could connect with them. Uh, and we did that in a lot of cases. There were some cases that we didn't. Um, but I, I think from that perspective, it was really beneficial. And one of the things we'll look at, and I think a lot of school districts will look at doing in the future is, how can we use that, that technology and um, you know, those resources uh, to reach out to students who traditionally have not done well in, in the regular setting? So yeah, you know, we'll, we'll wade into that water, but I think that's absolutely one of the benefits of, of e-learning. Yeah, and again, thank you to everyone that has been sending in questions. We've got another one uh, coming in here in, in just a second. Steve, I'm glad you brought up mental health because we are definitely going to move on to that topic. But first, we just got a question, and this one is for Mike, which is saying, do you think the remote learning experience that we had to live through can be used to broaden the classroom experience, maybe like having student or having class with students in a different country or a different state or something like that? Yeah, I think anytime you have a situation where you have to to to, to punt, to improvise. Uh, a lot of times you find some of those things are, are great tools and they're going to stick with you. Uh, and I certainly think this would be a great way to uh, enhance the classroom experience. Um, without a doubt, hundred percent believe it's going it's, to, it's more effective having students in your class to have that engagement, to have that connection, um, to be able to, to see nonverbal cue. All those things are so important but there are a lot of benefits that we could bring into the classroom. So uh, absolutely. Right. And I, I mean, like, I know your classroom is super hands-on, but then, you know, you think about, I know that a lot of classes have had really good experiences, like, you know, bringing in guest speakers and things like that. Have you been able to utilize any of that or kind of have, you know, people come in or zoom into the classroom in a different way to take advantage of the technology, or was it just too much of a fly-by-night operation where you just trying to get stuff done? Um, I do. I teach a, a course actually at uh, Rockford University. Uh, yeah. It's like a teaching course. And uh, one of the nice things, I always have like a teacher panel where I bring in three or four teachers and we have a discussion, kind of a, a Q&A open session. And I was, it was kind of nice. I was able to bring in several teachers that I've worked with over the years, um, a couple of which live in different states. So, um, and we had that on Zoom and it worked out really well. So, 
definitely something I would think about bringing into my classroom uh, at Byron. Absolutely. And again, make sure if you have any questions, there's still time. We're going to be here for another 10, 15 minutes. Feel free to join the conversation. Just leave us a comment. And I think we've been able to get to most of them. So I think we're going to be able to get to all of them. I'm so glad, Steve, that you mentioned a minute ago mental health, because that has been such a huge conversation in the years preceding the pandemic, but especially in this last year. And Brayton, I want to start with you on that, which is, did you feel like your school did a good job of trying to make sure that you guys had resources available for people that may have been struggling with some kind of mental health related things? Or what did that look like for you guys? Did you feel like you had enough support there? Uh... Well, as far as uh, me being one of the students who does struggle from depression and anxiety, like uh, I've always had seeked out to my counselor. It was actually really hard for me to do that at first, but, you know, I was glad I got that in before, like, you know, we went online. Um, as far as when we did go online, they did always send out in their daily announcements. If you needed help with like, you know, if you're struggling with something like that, you can like reach out to like your counselors. You can set up like one-on-one -on -one appointments via Zoom. But they had like I'll say they they'll give out resources as far as like um stuff I never knew about of like I guess like centers around here that could like help out with people with those issues as well. Um, our school did do a really good job as far as like just trying to make sure that like because they they just gave us the they let us know that they could understand that this is a hard time. And especially when you're just in your, in your room and you're just like staring at a screen for eight hours of the day. Like it's, it could get, you know, pretty much and you feel like a robot. So like I say, yeah, our school did do a good job. Yeah. And did you feel like most of the people that you knew were like, were they, did it seem like they were comfortable reaching out? Cause I know it can kind of be weird to like, let me email my counselor and set up this appointment really quick. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, that, um, I say it depends on the person because right. I mean, especially with really touchy issues with that too, it's hard to just say that, you know, I'm gonna schedule just a zoom call to talk about all my feelings and everything. And that, that is one of the things that it kind of sucked as far as like not having that human touch as far as yeah. being face to face with somebody. But other than that, if you were able to, to get online and like, you know, able to do that, it did like help you out. Like I said, it helped me out a lot too. Well, thanks for sharing that one, Braden. And I did want to ask for Mike and Steve, from your guys' perspective, you know, schools, you know, we, we want to have these mental health resources available and make sure people know that they can get it. But at the same time, like you mentioned, you know, it can be weird to email your counselor to try to set something up. I know that, you know, people do like, you know, mental health awareness week. And I know that can be difficult to not just seem like, oh, this is the new special of the week. Everyone check it out. But to make it actually feel like authentic and personal to them. Steve, you want to talk a little bit about how you guys as a district tried to make that an active part of just the whole school day and, and make that as authentic as possible? Yeah, so we, we tried to do a lot of what Braden mentioned uh, they did at Calvin, and, and that is just making sure students were always aware that those resources were there, that they could contact counselors, they could contact the main office, just kind of blanket announcements where we were trying to just make sure everybody knew that, that those resources were available. But our counselors were really involved at, at, at all levels, you know, social workers, school psychologists, you know, anybody um, that we could get when, when we started to be able to identify students who weren't engaging, 
you know, with the remote lessons, uh, they weren't checking in or if they, if they logged on, it was a blank screen and they never said anything and they never commented. So we weren't really sure what was going on. Then we started with, you know, kind of individualized contact, you know, an email, a phone call, um, as, as the year went on, sometimes there were, there were visits to the house, uh, which is really challenging because you got to maintain social distancing, but there, there's teachers or counselors standing at the end of the driveway, just kind of talking to, to students and families, checking in. So, you know, we tried to blanket the, the school district and let everybody know it was available. But as the year went on, then we really tried to, to tune in and, and talk to students and their families one-on-one when we noticed that something just didn't seem right. Right. And for you, Mike, I mean, as a teacher, that's, you know, you're, you're in these Zooms every day, you're seeing people in person every day. Did you feel like, was your school asking you to kind of be, or maybe this is something that you do in a normal year too, but just, you know, seeing those, you know, what someone might be going through or catching red flags or like, how did it go about for you trying to you know, make sure that students were aware of those resources while also trying to teach your class. Yeah, we, we had a lot of the same resources that Brayden and Steve had mentioned. Um, this will sound weird to say, and maybe it's it's like a more teachery way to think about mental health, but I thought one of the most important aspects um, was keeping the bar high, keeping the expectations up for students. Um, I feel like when, they, when they're not being challenged or when it's just like, hey, you know what? I know this year is really tough. Uh, this is good. We're going to keep things super easy right now. Then they tend to flounder and, they're, and that's not good for anybody, adults, students. Um, and I know a, a lot of, and I asked for feedback from a, a lot of my kids at the end of the year. And, and one of the things I kept getting was, you know, we're so glad we kept learning and the expectation, you know, once we figured things out early in the year, how, how the little things were going to work, you know, we were doing the exact same things we would do every year. You know, we were, everything was, was, was up there. And, and it just, it gives them something to think about. Just like when you're in a, in a sport, you know, if, if you just went and practiced every day and you knew it was going to be easy, it wouldn't be a challenge. You wouldn't enjoy it. You, you want the competition. You want the, um, so from a teacher's perspective, from a classroom perspective, I thought that was really important for at least the kids I interacted with was, hey, you know what? We're going to keep learning because that's what we do. That's what we do. Well, you guys are all professionals. Thank you, Mike, because that goes perfectly with a segue to what I, a question that we just got in the comments, which you talked about sports and competition. I guess I'll, I'll leave this one for, I guess, whoever wants to answer it because you could look at it at a lot of different levels. But Steve, uh, we have a question here that's, uh, how will this last year impact your school's sports and activities programs? Um, you know, obviously we, we just kind of made it work this year, you know, waited for the IHSA guidance to come out and, and we wanted, you know, a lot of credit to our athletic director, uh, Chauncey Carrick at the high school. Um, he does that job because he's passionate about it and he's passionate because of the opportunities that, that kids have to compete, to challenge themselves, to work together. They were adamant about following safety protocols for practices and, and events. So, you know, kudos to, to him and all of our coaches and, and sponsors. You know, moving forward, um, you know, we're really looking forward to next year where we can kind of go back to the normal calendar and we're not trying to do spring and, and winter sports at the same time. And gosh, man, what a nightmare that was to, to try to do that. And, and that kind of took away some opportunities from kids who 
normally would play one sport in the fall and then do something different in the winter. Now there was overlap or they were at the same time. So really looking forward to next year where it seems like the calendar is going to be much more standard and, and getting back to um, just normal run of things, really normal in, in terms of uh, athletics, uh, other than the, the last safety protocols that I think are going to be in place in the fall. Brayden, I saw you nodding a lot in there when you're talking about like having <laughs> the fall and the spring sports at the same time. What was that? What was that like? I mean, as far as going into football this year, it was pretty cool. Um, we had like, you know, enough time to prepare. You know, we had like before it was like the, the contact days that we got to be allowed to have. And then we finally got into like that two week period before we had a game. But when we had those winter sports and those spring sports collide, you know, it kind of took away from a lot of people because a lot of people didn't want to just be going from straight from football into two sports. So they had to choose which one they had to do for the, you know, their last year of high school. And it also kind of sucked as far as how fast we had to go into the next sport, you know, uh, for football after that last game, that Monday, like for me, I was back into the wrestling room and just for how quick that was, it was, it was pretty hard adjusting. And, but I like how, like a lot of people try to like how the school board try to make everything work and, it was, it was, it, I'll say it was okay. I can't say it was like too good. Like I had, I had a great time this year, but it was, a, it was really, really tough, you know. Um. We had, a, we just had actually had a question again for, for you, Brayden. And that was, you know, talking about like, you know, did the experience, you know, dampen your plans for college? I did want to relate that really quick to sports yes. though. Cause like, you know, last spring, those sports seasons got canceled and, you know, now you have this one where it's kind of a little bit tougher to go from one sport directly into the other, almost with some overlap in between it. Yeah. Do you feel like these adjusted seasons and then missing the season last spring, do you think that impacted anyone's like aspiration of like trying to get a scholarship for sports? Oh, most definitely, because, you know, <laughs> like it was as far as it was, it was from the colleges itself um, for football, they were pressuring a lot of people and like I went through it too to try to commit back in like February when we was like no I kind of want to wait to see because I don't know if I want to go for this sport or that sport or how the season may go which offers which you might accumulate over the season but it was just a lot of like it was a ton of stress and a lot of people made some like forced decisions and it was that was that was like a big con though like it was like a lot of people didn't get, and especially with like us having short seasons and different sports, uh, a lot of people didn't get as far as much as like like highlight tapes and you know as views as they they would want to. Because get your huddle profile ready. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's it. Kind of that's that's that kind of sucked, but like we we try to make the the best out of it. Are you planning on playing sports at the next level? Yeah, uh, I committed to the University of Wisconsin Whitewater for wrestling. Oh, well, congratulations. We're going to go another round of applause for Brayden here. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, I, we've, like I said, we've got a couple more questions in for you, Brayden. And then after that, we're going to wrap up with one more question for everyone. But those ones, again, was, was college related, which is, you know, talking about, you know, as you head into college, do you, and you kind of answered this earlier, actually, which is, you know, do you feel like remote learning has prepared you for college this fall and did the experience kind of dampen the plans for other people that you knew their plans to go to college? I'll say, um, 
it was funny. Now I wouldn't say the core classes, which as far as like what you you need to do, will prepare me as much as I needed to be for college this year. But a class like psychology, I really took a lot from that 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 uh that type of class this year. You know those type of electives. Um, and it, I'll say because like for the core classes, it was it was pretty hard to try to like you know focus and concentrate and try to really get something out of it. So then, like, when you had a different type of class, I guess it just – you got more interested in that other than your core. And i say it just – it'll be a little bit of an adjustment going into college this year, but um, I did learn some things, but it, it'll, it'll help out. It'll all come together. All right, guys. Well, as we wrap up, I've got one more question for all of us. And it's something I like to ask at the end of all my interviews, which is just, I'm always trying to identify my blind spots and try to see, you know, as we have this, you know, national conversation about education, the pandemic, like, what are we missing? Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, and I'll start with you, Mike, which is, is there any part of, you know, this whole experience of pandemic education? Is there any part of it that you think is more important than maybe some people outside of education might realize, or just you wish that more people were talking about when they talked about this stuff? Um, you know, I think a lot of people talk about, and, and this might sound like it contradicts what I said earlier, but it's not. Um, they wanted to talk about like the amount of material loss, like kids are way behind. Um, they're not, and you know, learning what? loss. Like, Right. You know, if we're talking about material covered, I'd argue that the worst version of school is like where teaching is just about curriculum coverage and learning is like punching, you know, work production for credit. Um, and I guess the worst version of school, I, the biggest thing, instead of talking about like, you know, they're behind is they missed out on lots of opportunities. Exactly what Brayton was just talking about. Like it wasn't the education they lost. It was these, these opportunities they lost as freshmen. They didn't get to, to do homecoming for the first time. They didn't get to just little things like that. Yeah. Make, make a huge difference. Um, and they don't get those back. I mean, I know you get four years at, at high school, but you only get to be a freshman once you only get to be a senior once. Uh, and a lot of those opportunities, um, we're lost. Um, and I think sometimes we lose sight of that when we talk about materials. I mean, we, we lost opportunities to learn the way we should learn group work, lab work, uh, peer editing, getting together. Um, we lost a lot of things like that, that, you, that aren't going to show up on standardized tests or college entrance exams, things like that. So, uh, I guess I don't, you don't, they probably don't think about that when you're talking about like nationally, what's what happened during this pandemic, but that's something that'll probably never be quantifiable, but. Yeah. What about you, Steve? Well, it was, it was a, it's a really good question. Um, and I had a great answer that, uh, that I just lost. I was so kind of in, wrapped up in what Mike was talking about. Well, it's a good thing uh, we're live. <laughs> oh yeah. It's perfect, right. So, um, you know, Mike's, Mike's point kind of, got me to thinking about this and it's something that we've talked about here. You know, we, we talk about, um, I'm not allowed to use the, the term learning loss around uh, our director of teaching and learning. She, she always calls it a learning disruption, right? Cause kids were still learning and teachers were, were still teaching. So we kind of track some of the quantifiable data and, and um, you know, our, our student scores and what's that, what's the gap like? And there is a gap, but it's, it's really smaller than I think we all thought it was going to be. 
And I'm a, I've always been a big proponent. So Mike, I was so glad to hear you say this. I've always been a big proponent of focus on quality of learning, not quantity of learning. You know, make sure that kids are getting what they need to have, you know, prioritize what, what's most important. And I think that's one of the things that's always been in our blind spot as, as educators. You know, it's so easy to think I've got to get through 10 chapters in, in math this year. I've got to cover all this content for science or social studies. Well, if you're racing to cover all the content, sometimes you don't get into the depth that you need to uh, to help kids really learn what, what you're teaching them. So uh, I hope that one of the things that's kind of brought been brought to the forefront is that our kids really haven't lost as much as we thought that they were going to, as much as we feared a year ago. And we covered a lot of content, don't get me wrong, but there were things that we didn't cover this year that then we would have in a normal year. So, you know, we're going to take some time to think about that. We'll have discussions about that, you know, over the summer and into next year. And how can that help us improve? You know, are there parts of our, our curriculum that we can maybe cut out and, uh, and help us to focus on that, that, that quality uh, as opposed to the quantity. Right. Yes. And you'll finally get to experience what normal looks like in Sycamore. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Looking forward to that. All right, Ed Braden, last but not least, what about you? What is something that you think is, is more important than people might realize who haven't been a student during the pandemic? Uh, it'll just probably go back to what I was saying earlier, like, that uh, we didn't I wouldn't say that like you know as far as like stuff that we I guess they would want us to know and learn maybe there is that little gap like you know as Steve has said like but as far as like the other things that we picked up during this time from no matter what platform it came from it was it was a lot that we did gain as far as just like that human culture that we missed upon and was overlooking and we took a lot of things for granted and it was shown you know, because a lot of things were stripped away from us. And when some of those things were able to get back to us, we we definitely appreciate it. And I think that was one of the biggest things that, like, I guess we've been missing nowadays is just, like, how to really appreciate the finer things in life. And i say, like, that was – yeah, that, that was one of the, the best things that had happened during this time was just the appreciation of things. Other than that – I uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think that's the perfect way to end it on. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you all so, so much for joining us and taking some time out of your Thursday night to hop on what I'm sure is the 50,000th Zoom call that you've had this year. <laughs> so, so thanks again to everyone for that. And a big thank you to everyone that is listening and watching and commenting in real time. Thanks so much for all that. And as always, if, if you're just jumping in at the end and you're like, I just missed this whole conversation. It seems like there was a lot here. I've got great news for you. You're going to be able to tomorrow hear this on podcast services or on WNIJ.org. You can go ahead, just, just Google Teacher's Lounge WNIJ. You'll find all that. While you're there, listen to Mike's episode too. That's another good one. <laughs> but again, thank you to everyone. This has been Teacher's Lounge Live. We've been reflecting on the pandemic school year. For Steve, Brayton, Mike, I'm Peter Medlin. Thanks, so, thanks everyone, for, for taking some time out of your day. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys. Thanks so much. See ya. See you guys. <laughs>